So, so what we're doing is we're gonna we're gonna jump in uh, this year full force into this twenty twenty one. How many of you are glad to say goodbye to twenty twenty? <laughs> we're looking in our re- rearview mirror and we're saying, oh, it's got to be better in twenty twenty one, right? But here's the thing: I, I as we, uh, I, I want to spend a couple weeks on how how we can navigate this new year by not only looking forward, but by looking back. How do you know the best lessons that are learned are the ones that we have to traverse through difficult times? Anybody out there? Any amens? Yeah. We don't like it. Do we like it? We absolutely don't like it. But I, as I was thinking back, looking at, the, looking at what we would discuss in this new year, I wanted us to, to look back and say we definitely can learn some things about 2020. And, and what can we learn about God and how can God help us to traverse through this new year with what we've learned over the past year. So I've, I've definitely learned some things and I, I've, I've come up with my um, top five list of what I've learned in 2020. Now this is very spiritual, so if you want to take notes, write this down because this will change your life. So um, here's a couple of things that I learned about 2020 from, from uh, COVID-19 is, is first of all, I've learned that hand sanitizer really chaps your hands used too much. I mean, it just, everywhere you go, we bathe in hand sanitizer. Um, I also learned what Zoom was. I had no idea what Zoom was last year. If you were to ask me last year what Zoom was, I thought it was a, you know, a thing on your camera that you can zoom in on, on your, on your phone. I had no idea what Zoom was. How many of you did not know what Zoom was? Please help me and don't make me feel terrible. Okay, good, many of you. And we've been using Zoom. Love it. It's great for meetings and so on and so forth. So I've learned what Zoom was and still don't know how to use it, but I love it. It's great. Um, I discovered my bike again. Never knew we had one in the garage, but we know. Uh, I actually learned how to fix a flat tire. I haven't done that in 45 years uh, since I was like 12. I learned how to change a tire, so I had to change a tire on our bike. I learned how to do that uh, through COVID-19. Um, I like masks because, here's the reason why, because I don't care what my breath is like now. I don't have to brush my teeth in the morning anymore. You know, it's great. And so, and it's nice too because I don't have to smell your breath either. So it's, it works out. The masks are a good thing. And then the last but not, this is my favorite thing. I, I, I discovered birds all over again. I mean, how many of you just love to bird watch? Great. Many of you. Good. You made me feel good. The six of you that raised your hand. Um, I loved a bird watch and I got into it. I got some uh, bird feeders and some bird houses for Christmas. I'm excited. I put more feed into my bird feeder for the winter just to look at the birds. And how many, just, let's just pause for just a moment. Is there anything more beautiful than to see a beautiful cardinal with snow in the background and the bright redness of that cardinal coming out? Isn't that beautiful? Four of you, good. I just... It's just that that's that just calms my spirit. So those are some of the, and I'm sure we've all learned things new. We've learned this new normal of how to traverse, um, you know, in this new year. And so what I want to look at is, I want to look at how we can take the things that we've learned and how can we navigate um, this new year with God's presence in our life. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a big change person. I like things just to stay the same. And when things rock my apple cart, I don't, I don't like it so much. And if we learned anything through 2020, we learned that life is not consistent, that life can throw you a curveball at any moment. And the next thing you know, 
the rug is pulled out from underneath you. And I want us to realize this morning that it didn't come as a surprise to God. God is sovereign over all of this. And I think we can learn to understand what it means to trust God even when life is uncertain. So we, we need to, I, I believe we can learn some things from God's word today and how to navigate life. I think it will help us in the future to give us a peace and an understanding that God is ultimately in control. Even though we may not like what we're going through or the situations that, we, that we're going through, we may not like it, but we know that God is a consistent God, that he remains ever the same. The problem is this world isn't all that there is. And this world is not what we're living for. Amen? This is not what we're living for. And so we have to understand that life is going to stink at times. It's going to be uncertain at times. It's going to throw your curveballs at times. So how do we navigate correctly through an uncertain world? To navigate means just to, just to plan a course by using instruments or a map. And that's what I love about um, GPS. I've got GPS on my phone, Google Maps, and now you just plug it in and it tells you where to go. I mean, how many just love GPS systems now? How many remember using the triptychs? Remember AAA and you had to use all the maps and you still got lost, you didn't know where you were going. And and I love the GPS. But here's the thing, even about a GPS, it's not going to tell you the bumps in the road. It's not going to predict an accident when it's going to come. It can tell you how to get to point A and to point B and what best routes to use and how not to use toll routes or whatever. It can tell you all those things or when an accident happened or if there's a backup, but it can't predict when it's going to happen. And I think for us, this should humble us to realize as humans, we cannot predict what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why we have to trust the Lord. And the correct way to navigate this world is by trusting the presence of God in our life each and every day. So how do we navigate life when it's so unpredictable? Because I don't know about you, when things don't go my way, it brings anxiety and worry and how is this going to work out? And and, and it it just brings so, it, it just takes the joy out of our life and the joy of serving the Lord. And God wants to use those things to teach us to depend on him in an even greater way. So when things don't work out, in life, it's very easy for us to get angry or to get bitter, especially when we, there are times of silence, when things are going on in our life and we're like, God, I, I just, I don't hear you. And every single one of us that are followers of Christ will go through times in our life where it just seems like it's silent. God, where are you? God, are you working in this situation? God, do you even hear my prayers? Have you ever felt that way? Like you pray and you're like, is God really hearing my prayers or they're just bouncing off the ceiling? And I want us to understand this morning that God works through the silent times of our lives. And he has a purpose for doing that. And we're going to look at a scripture today that speaks specifically to how God uses the silent times of our lives or the uncertainty of our lives to even trust him even more. And I know when, when, as an adult, as you go through all the difficult things in your life, have you ever looked back and just said, man, I wish I, wish I was a kid again? Have you, ever, have you ever thought that? Have you ever get jealous of your kids? Like, they have no idea what's going on. They have no idea what it is to pay all these bills and, and the difficultness of life. And you look at them and you're like, oh, just to be a kid again, to have no worries uh, and to not have to worry about all this uh, adult stuff um, you know, I was looking at my nephew, he has three really little kids and just watching them at Christmas and playing and having a good time. And I mean, they're not worried about COVID. They're, not worried. they're just having fun and just playing with their toys. And I'm like, 
gosh, that is just so, just to watch them have fun. I was, my, my son's in the Navy and he, uh, he's an officer in the Navy, just left last October for Norfolk and we sat down before he left and just went over all his, all his bills. We're going to budget. And, um, and so we're going to over all, all the things, insurance and all this other stuff. And it was, it was a long list and it was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff to pay for. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the real world. It's fun. Have fun with it. No, he's doing a great job and learn how to cook. He made a better turkey, uh, Thanksgiving turkey than we did, so we hate him right now. We don't like him. He's learned to cook better than us. And, but how many of you know that, that with life comes problems? just is. It, it, it comes with problems. So how do we deal with a season of silence? In our lives, how, how can we deal? How do we deal with those times where we feel like, God, are you there? When it seems like God is silent or we feel like there's no answer. So I want to give you a different perspective today because it's easy for us to get discouraged and to fall in despair and believe there's no hope in those times of silence or maybe God is mad at me or God, are you really listening to me? And I want to look at this story in the New Testament that speaks to that very thing because in this story, it seems like Jesus is, is indifferent. It seems like Jesus is not paying attention or it seems like Jesus is, is not sympathetic to what a group of people are going through and how a group of people are mourning. And it just seems like, why isn't Jesus there? Why isn't he coming? Why didn't he answer me soon enough? And I want us to see how Jesus responded to their uncertainty. And I, there's some things we're going to pull out of this passage that maybe you have never seen before. There's a couple things that I saw this time by reading through this passage. Here's what I would encourage you. When you read the Bible and you look at a passage, read it over and over and over and over again. Because I guarantee God will show you something different. There'll be things in God's word that he will just show you and reveal to you in your heart and life as you continue to study his word. So I want to look at John 11, uh, verses 17 through 27. And, and this is, let me give you a little background. Uh, Mary and Martha are good friends and Lazarus are good friends with Jesus. And Jesus is, is not in their town, but Lazarus is sick. So they call for Jesus. The sisters call for Jesus to come because he's sick and they want him to heal him. And Jesus finds out about his sickness, but he waits. He doesn't come. He waits. And so they're discouraged. Why isn't Jesus coming? Because he, he's so close. Why didn't he come to us? So let's read the story in John 11, verses 17 through 27 and see how God speaks to us in times of silence. He says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know uh, that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe in you. You are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Amen to God's word. So what is going on here? Well, Jesus gets the word. 
that his friend Lazarus is ill. And when Jesus receives the word from Lazarus' sister, Jesus didn't go right away. He waited two more days. Why in the world would Jesus wait? Because in his waiting, Lazarus dies. So the question is, why did Jesus wait? Because on the surface, it seems like Jesus is just being inconsiderate. Why wouldn't he rush right away to their side to heal their brother? Doesn't Jesus care? Why isn't he coming? And I can imagine there was more fear and panic, and now he dies. And they're like, if Jesus only could have been here, he could have healed Lazarus. Why didn't he come on our timetable? And this is what it would seem. It would seem that Jesus didn't care. And when Jesus does come to Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Now, what's interesting about this, Jewish tradition held that a person's spirit would hang around the body for three days and could actually re-enter the body. And after three days, death was permanent. And so what we know about Lazarus is he was dead. And Jesus waited. And so he, 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 they're thinking to themselves, Jesus, why are you waiting? Why didn't you come earlier? And this is what I want to dig into because this conversation that Jesus has with Martha can speak to us in those times of waiting or the times that God is silent in our lives. And so what does Martha say to Jesus? She said, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus' delay wasn't that he didn't care. It was just the opposite. It was because he loved Lazarus. Jesus was going to show them the purpose of his coming. And I want you to see this dialogue between between. Martha and Jesus, because I believe this speaks to our situations and the things we go through when it seems like God isn't talking to us or when God isn't coming on our timetable. Or why didn't God answer my prayers quick enough? And so what Jesus would show them is he has the ultimate victory over death. And I want you to notice how Jesus responds to her. He doesn't respond to the situation. He responds to himself and wants to draw Martha to him, not the devastating situation. So catch it. This is so good. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He didn't turn Martha to the situation. He turned Martha to himself. It's amazing what happens here. Before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, which he would, he asks her to put her trust in him. Now, I believe Martha knew that, that Jesus could do whatever he wanted to do. She believed that he could heal. Because she says, if you would have been here, you would have healed him. And then she says, but I know if whatever you ask of the Father, whatever you ask of God, he will answer it for you. So she, it wasn't that she didn't have faith. It was that she was too immersed in her situation to allow God to speak to her right then and there. And I think what happens is when situations happen that are beyond our control that we don't understand, it's so easy to get immersed in the situation and forget who Jesus is. And Jesus' purpose with Martha was to draw her to him and his presence even in the midst of this very difficult situation. So before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, he asked her to put her trust in him, not in the situation. Now, she knew Jesus could heal. However, Jesus wanted her to see beyond 
that immediate circumstance. Listen, just everybody online right here, just let's plug in right now. Listen to this, it's so good. What happens is when we get immersed in our situation, it causes us to lose perspective and realize that ultimately we will be with Christ. For those that follow him, because listen, whether it's this problem or another problem next week or another problem in three months, how many know we're all going to have problems? We will all have problems. This world is not what we're living for. And so Jesus says, I want you to take this situation and I want you to look to me, understanding that I will conquer death for you. Because of sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's what he wanted to speak to her heart. He wanted to give her a different perspective. So Jesus wanted Martha to trust his word, do you believe? And so he says, do you believe in me? And she did. She put her trust in him. You see, our ultimate healing from the pain and heartache from this world will come when we are with Christ. I, um, I remember years ago, I had a hospice visit uh, with a woman who, um, she didn't attend our church, but her, her daughter did. And her daughter, as she goes, Pastor, she's right over at Pines of Peace, which is very near to the church. She goes, would you, would you visit my mom? I said, absolutely. So I went to visit her, talked to her. Come to find out, she taught Sunday school for 70 years. I go, you are a rock star. You are just, you're my hero. And I remember asking her, I said, I've got nothing to say to you. Speak to me. I mean, tell me what God's doing in your heart. I just, we had this wonderful conversation. And she looked at me, she goes, you know what, Pastor, I just want to say one thing. I never met her. This is the first time we met. She goes, I just want to share something with you. She goes, I know I'm going to be with my Lord and Savior. She said this. She goes, listen, I know heaven is going to be wonderful, and I know I'm going to be reunited with my loved ones. But she goes, that's not the thing that, that's not the, the thing that is motivating me. She goes, what motivates me is I will finally meet my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She goes, all those other things are just the cherry on the Sunday, the icing on the cake. But she goes, I am going to see Jesus. She had the right perspective in her deathbed, in hospice care. She couldn't wait to see her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the perspective that Jesus is trying to give to Martha. Don't get immersed in the situation. As bad as it is, put your perspective on me, who is the resurrection and the life. Listen, at times, life will make absolutely no sense. We may not know why things happen the way they do. However, this story gives us hope in the uncertainty. And so what Martha does is she puts her faith in Jesus before he did anything. Not in the what he could do, but in who he was. See, that's what Jesus wanted her to know. Don't, don't put your hope in the situation, not in what I can do, because I can do this. How many know God can do anything he wants to? He goes, don't put your trust in what I can do, what's going to give you a greater peace and a sense of purpose to, to traverse through all the difficult things in this world, you're going to have to put your trust in who I am. And I'm the resurrection and the life. No matter what you may go through, no matter what life may throw at you, knowing that I'm the resurrection and life will give you hope, will give you courage, will give you joy to, 
traverse through whatever life may give you, even when life seems silent, I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. So when life seems silent, remember he is with us. We trust him because he has overcome death for us. You have two situations here. You have Martha who, who left and met Jesus. And, and I never really gave much thought to this in the, in the passage. But it's interesting how it says Mary sat. Mary sat and Martha went. Why did they say Mary was... Why is that description their force in the passage? I've got some thoughts about that. I don't think it was because... Mary's faith was any less in her Lord and Savior because we see that in Scripture. She had tremendous faith in Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Or Martha had a greater faith. I believe Mary was tired. She was whipped. She's tapped out. She just sat. She's been grieving. Her brothers died, and she just sat. Jesus comes to her. In her time of weeping and distress, Jesus comes to her. You see, listen, for for Martha, she needed that encounter with Jesus just to re-engage her mind that he is a resurrection life. And then what Jesus does next is incredible because it shows the humanity and the deity of God together. Fully God, fully man. That, that Jesus understands our pain in those times that we go through. So what I, I'm not trying to minimize the pain that you go through or that we all go through. God is not trying to minimize that. But I want you to understand that God's presence will help us to traverse through those times of silence. Watch what happens. This is good. So what Jesus does is Jesus arrives at the funeral and what he does is he shares in their grief and he weeps, the scriptures tell us. What does this show us about Jesus? Well, what it shows us about Jesus is that he is not immune to our suffering or times of silence or when life just doesn't seem to make sense. He cares, he is present, and his presence is what's most important. Many know our story of our wife. We lost our first child 25 years ago, and, and I every year during the, her, her birthday, I, I God, what have you taught me through all of that? And I think back of memories that encouraged me or people that were with us, and we still have people that we're connected with from our church in South Carolina that are just so beautiful and they still connect on Facebook. And I love that we still hear from them because we went through such a, a hard, difficult time in that season and the church was beautiful and how they responded to us. But I, 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 I think back to this one time, and there's a, a good friend that I had. His name is Joe. And I remember one time, it was just, it was after the death, and I just, you know, I was just not having a good day or whatever. And I remember Joe just showed up. I'm like, hey, Joe. He goes, hey, Barton. I go, are we supposed to meet? He goes, no. I go, okay. He goes, I just want to sit with you. I go, okay. What are we going to talk about? He goes, nothing. Or whatever you want to talk about because I just want to sit with you. I said, okay. We sat, we talked for about 45 minutes. And then Joe prayed with me at the end. 
I don't remember anything Joe said. I'm sure he said a lot of good things. I'm sure he had a couple scriptures in there. I'm sure he said a lot of nice things. I I don't know anything he said. The only thing I remembered is Joe was there. I remembered his presence. The best thing that Jesus can ever give you is his presence. And I think for some of us, that's what we're missing. We want to figure it out or we want, Jesus, how are you going to do all this stuff? And Jesus says, listen, just what you need like Elijah, you just need my presence. We want the explanations. We want all this. I, I don't know why things happen the way they do. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. But I do know one thing. That God is faithful. And he will never leave us or forsake us. That nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And I love that Jesus comes to this funeral and he's not immune to their suffering. And he, he, he sits with them and he weeps. And then he brings this miracle to show them that death does not have the final say. Does it? What helps me to get through the things I've gone through in my life is to know that death does not have the final say. That gives you a new perspective. So whatever you may go through, and and I'm not saying that your pain, I'm not trying to lessen it, what I am saying is when you know God's presence and that he's always there for you, it gives us a different perspective to know this situation does not have the final say. You do, Jesus. So I'm going to put my trust in you because you have the final say. I just want to finish with this. I want to read to you from the Gospel Transformation Bible and it says this about the situation with, with Jesus coming to Lazarus. I love this. Just... We have it up there for you, but let me just read this to you. It says, Jesus identifies with us in our pain and loss. He comes to us in our weakness and brokenness. Though he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, listen to this, I love this. Jesus wept when he saw the tears of Mary and her companions. This is Jesus being truly human, As God incarnate, Jesus shows us what he is as God created man to be. A wholehearted lover of God and a compassionate lover of fellow image bearers. And what I would say to you this morning is let Christ into your uncertainty. Allow him to lead you because he's always with us. Even in the times of silence. When you don't feel he's there, he's there. And he says, invite my presence in to your situation and allow me to bring my hope and allow my words, as I spoke them to Martha, speak to you that I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, will live. That's what Jesus brought to this situation. Even though they didn't understand it at the time, God knew exactly what he was doing. He spoke a greater word to them than just fixing the situation. His greater word was, trust me, trust me. I will be there for you and my presence will always be with you even to the end of the age. And that's what he spoke to his disciples before he left. I am with you. I am with you. Amen.
Father God, we just bow our hearts before you this morning. I want to thank you for your presence. I want to thank you for your people, God. And I pray for anyone here today that just feels a sense of loss, a sense of wandering, a sense of silence in their life. I pray that they would invite you in, that they would cling to you, not the situation, but they would cling to you, Jesus, and know that you are the resurrection and the life, that our hope is in the one who conquered this world for us. That doesn't minimize the pain that we go through in this world, but Jesus, you walk with us through the pain and the uncertainty and you care for us just as you cared for those that were mourning the death of Lazarus. Lord, you care and we know that you're there. So I pray that you would give us a new perspective. So as we dive into 2021, Lord, I pray that we would cling to you even more and allow your presence to speak to us each and every day as we trust you with all the uncertainties of this life. And we want to be careful to ask all these things. In no other name, but the beautiful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and uh, let's just...